Hello, Stephen. Hello, Erica. We have watched parts, not episodes, parts two and three of the Time Warrior. Yeah. Uh, so we've we've for a while at least left episodes behind us, um, and also Durdot Who. Uh, it is now he, John Pertwee is now credited as Doctor Who instead of Dr. Who. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think we. I think we have we go uh, we're parts all the way mm-hmm. until the end of the classic series apart from one story. Oh, you know of this? I, you have told me about it before. I don't remember which story it is, but I know that there's one that got that got mixed up. Of course, I've told you about it. <laughs> what else would I bore you with when you try to go to sleep? Hockey. Hockey, that would be that or I mean, don't get me wrong. I like hockey, but hockey facts from the 1970s and 80s and 90s and 2000s don't really interest me as much well the 2000s don't interest me as much either as much (laughs) as the 1970s and 80s and 60s and stuff like that too so yeah yeah um so uh how you how you feeling this is actually a good story yeah it is it is you know robert holmes is a good writer he just overdid it with a couple of characters i think i just mm-hmm. th- it is an interesting story i like the the actual the actual time travel um yep. aspect of it uh i like links i like the doctor versus links um it's yeah it's a good story i just really don't like iron run at all oh mm-hmm. well i do i'm glad you like it i i was watching it and i just i was impressed by the writing in that you know at the beginning of episode two, I think it is. I hope I can phrase this because we watched two and three. And so two, it seems a while ago now. But, you know, um, the uh, the the, meta, the the man, the, the robot guy mm-hmm. basically is there to kill Hal. Um, the doctor sees this, gets up uh, on top, grabs a crossbow, fires a thing that frees Hal mm-hmm. and everything. Then he runs off and hides and stuff. And But what we need the story to do is for the doctor to sort of discover Lynx's base. Mm-hmm. So he gets into Lynx's base. How do how do we get rid of Lynx so that the doctor can roam around freely and discover the situation? Well, Iron Grong comes in and says, you and your robot mm-hmm. uh, was taken out by a knave with a, uh, with a crossbow bolt come on and we got to fix them and stuff. Okay. And so they go out and that allows him to, so like basically it all sets it up. It's all cyclical. Yeah. It's just, it's writing that, that really works. It, 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 you know, it doesn't seem too coincidental for these things mm-hmm. to happen. It's a direct result of each thing that happens that the doctor's allowed to sort of discover his base. And therefore we, as a viewer discover his base as well. That's mm-hmm. what, that's what really makes good writing. And uh, I noticed that this time around. Yeah, it's true. It is the, the, the layout of the story it's shape. It's, it's, yeah, I was gonna say it's shape. <laughs> it's, At Tip Paul Cornell yeah. uh, is is quite good. It it, uh, it is very interesting in the way that you write that it sort of weaves within itself to to make sure that everything happens for a reason, mm-hmm. except for Link's taking off his helmet that first time in episode yep. one at the end, which is I think one of the reasons that that's so annoying is it feels very egregious in comparison to the rest of this elegantly scripted mm. and you know written story. So that is that is a bit annoying. Um I do really like that Sarah is such a take charge charge character right yeah. from the beginning. I mean, from moment 1, she has snuck in to a very very secure like it's a little bit suspicious that like, you know, I I was worried they weren't even going to let you in, Brigadier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then somehow Sarah managed to just do it. But <laughs> but honestly, given how stuffy security and science tend to be in uh, Doctor Who episodes of that era, mm-hmm. 
like not made in that era, but set in yeah. in that the in the unit era. Uh, I'm not surprised that somebody with the pluck that Sarah has was able to sneak around and and get in. And it's just you know on full display in the Middle Ages as well. She she jumps right in and she she figures out that it's the Doctor. And it's you know we know that it's not. Mm-hmm. We knew all along that it wasn't. But based on the evidence that she had to hand. It made sense. Yeah. It made absolute sense. Um, so good on her for, for coming up with a, a smart idea and then also pivoting when she is convinced that that's wrong. Yeah. And, and therefore, that's also a good way for the doctor to explain who he, hit, who he is to his new friend, yeah. the new companion. Therefore, she gets the backstory of the doctor as well as the viewer in a way. Like, you know, each new companion introduction is also a bit of a reintroduction to the viewer itself as to who this character is. And because of that, they have this great little sit down. It doesn't feel like, as you know, I'm a Time Lord from the planet Gallifrey, as right. mentioned for the first time in the series history in episode part two of the Time Warrior. Mm. Another thing Robert Holmes is responsible for. Yep. Yeah. So many. Yeah. So many, so many random thrown off lines. Like the Rutans and their <laughs> perpetual war, or whatever it is. The, per- the, your, the perpetual war between the Santarans and the Rutans. One of those great Robert Holmes one line explanations that it explains the situation and opens up a whole wider universe <laughs> that we never really get to see. And that's mm-hmm. perfect. It just yeah. it creates the world. It's world building, which is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I, I like the doctors. It. I feel like, in a way, both the Doctor and Lynx are, you know, the Doctor mentions Lynx as uh, stirring up the red ants and the black ants. Um, that's his description of them because he just wants to see war. And it's funny that because when he says that moments before, like literally a minute before the Doctor said that line, I had the thought that both the Doctor and Lynx are kind of having fun. <laughs> like the Doctor the whole way through so far, mm-hmm. has, except for the points where he's gurning and I just ignore that. Um, right. <laughs> when he had the silly helmet on. Oh, right, uh, right. But uh, he is, he's kind of enjoying himself. Like these situations, these people, the surroundings, the technology and everything is so far below the level that he knows that he Mm. is comfortable with that he is sort of like a wizard wandering and dancing around Mm -hmm. um we should talk about that intercut scene when we we have a moment but like but the doctor really is sort of i don't want to say he's above the uh the the people who live in this time and he doesn't he certainly is not acting like he's lording it over them or anything like that but his knowledge of what is what and what's going on is so much greater and deeper and wider than theirs that i think he's enjoying himself a bit more than certainly than i would be if i was in his position and and sarah is not you know it's Mm -hmm. not like she's having fun every time you look at him he's got like a little twinkle in his eye and i feel like to some extent lynx is kind of the same way because he is also you know, he doesn't have to create all of those weapons. He doesn't, you know, I'm also going to build you a better robot, basically, just because he wants to. It amuses him, the idea to leave behind King Irongron on this planet. So both he and the Doctor are, I think, great, you know, I mentioned in our previous episode how Irongron and Lynx are good sort of mirror characters for each other, which is true. But by the time we get to, like part three here it's really the doctor and Lynx who are the echoes of each other and they are both sort of having their own fun playing in a playground that is very far away from the place that they 
come from. Yeah, Lynx is kind of fascinated in having fun with the limitations of the technology in order to create weapons of destruction. The doctor is kind of enjoying the limitations of creating, you know, uh, weapons of science, mm-hmm. you know, the, the loud flashes and bangs, like he's kind of having fun with this yeah. sort of thing. He knows it's not lethal. True. You know? There's a lot of, in the, in the yeah. painting of the, uh, the masks and stuff. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Painting yeah, exactly what he was ever very good with apparently. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. The doctor is also the time warrior. When you think about it? <gasps> Whoa, Whoa, dude. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, I suppose he, in a way he, f- he fights using time as his weapon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. We're getting pretty deep into the time warrior. <laughs> you never thought that was going to happen. Did you? Nope. No. I guess not. Mm-hmm. No. What, uh, what wizard sequence did you want to, uh, dancing wizard? Is that what you're talking about? Are you talking about this, the, the one take high angle, uh, chase slash fight scene? Which some might call lazy directing, but others might not. <laughs> well, I mean, clearly it's a body double, and Terry Walsh doing it. Yeah. yeah how how do you hide that the most easily? Uh, just put the camera real far away, stick it up on a battlement, yep. and then you can just have everybody run around and like. Yes, there's fight music happening, but in my head, I'm hearing like the music that happens when circus clowns come out and run around and like roll around. <laughs> Whack, yaggedy sacks would also have yeah. been fitting, I think. Yes, exactly. So it's uh, you know, it gets the point across. The doctor is run- literally running circles around mm. these. I mean, he's wearing a velvet coat, and they are wearing literal armor. Yeah. So he's he's getting the best of them. It's fine. It's a little long. It's kind of boring. Finally, the episode ends. Thank goodness. Yeah. Then the, the next episode starts so far back that, what did I say? I was like, oh my God, are we going to have to watch that whole freaking, <laughs> freaking yeah. uh, uh, scene over again? And Steven just goes, just wait. Yeah. And they cut around it and they have, oh, oh by the way, how the archer was there this whole time, just waiting to um, uh, shoot an arrow at, uh, at his axe mm-hmm. instead of his head. You thought he should have hushed I, my head cannon is he was aiming at his head like he's a good archer but like a literal head cannon yeah ha 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 uh, head 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 it's not a cannon it's a it's an I arrow know, but <laughs> head head projectile um he uh i feel like he was probably aiming for iron ground's head and mm-hmm. like you know archery is not an easy thing like even if you're really good at it right. when you're shooting from such an angle you're not necessarily going to hit the guy right in the head every single time this is not a video game so he, i think he was aiming for iron gun he wanted to kill him he just happened to hit the axe because you know drama yeah harder to hit the axe though yeah yeah i mean he could pretend he was aiming for the axe but yeah. he, he wouldn't be that that doesn't make any sense. That's true. Reminds me of a uh, Blake Seven line where um, I think Blake uh, Avon is shooting someone. I can't remember who it was uh, who was fighting with uh, Blake or something. He goes, uh, you know, nice shot. And he says, thanks. I was aiming for his head because he shot him like in the chest or something <laughs> like right. that. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. I like that line a lot. Because Avon's great in mm-hmm. Blake Seven. So, mm-hmm. yeah. He sure is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else in this these two episodes that we saw, uh, Rubish is wandering around. Uh, scientists are hungry. Rubish is such a weird character. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's the stereotypical scientist who loves science too much. Right. Refuses to follow the doctor. He's doddering. He's, you know, he, he manages to make himself uh, one lens of eyeglasses. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, it's a nice touch. And uh, and yeah, it's just he's very strange. I'm glad he's around because he's funny. Yep. Um, 
And the thing is, it's interesting because he's kind of like spacey and doddering, but at the same time, he is incredibly canny because he has been hiding from from Lynx this entire mm. time. The he, we know that the uh, hypnotism didn't work because he it can't see well enough yeah. for it to it to actually penetrate uh, into his mind. So that means that he's just been hiding and not doing the work that he was, you know, apparently supposed to be doing. Yeah. So. Yeah, he 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 is the stereotypical um egomaniacal scientist. Mm-hmm. He's just so curious about things and he is 100% confident in his ability to just stay hidden, yeah. which I think is ridiculous but fitting for the character such as he has laid out. Yeah, he even like, you know, says, "Oh, we got to get out of here." The doctor says, "Oh, you leave if you want to. I'm staying right. here." Uh-huh. This is fascinating to me. You know, he's he's more excited by the scientific um uh, exploration and discovery than he is by actually getting out for his own safety yeah which you know when you think about that to its logical conclusion if he never gets to publish his his work nobody's ever gonna know and like what's the point dude Mm -hmm. but you know i guess sometimes you just do it for the science science for the science Yep. Um, what else? Oh, I mentioned that probably the uh, the smoke effect that was used God. with all that brown haze is probably banned for uh, <laughs> safety reasons these days, I think. Oh, it looked bad. Yeah. Like, it probably was kind of stinky, even if it wasn't, like, stink bomb level. But, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, like, just watching it billow around those actors and those Ooh. extras, yikes. Hope those guys are okay. Yeah, I remember seeing the uh, infotext for Spearhead from Space, mm-hmm. and the smoke effect that they used for the Autons was very similar to what it looked like here. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing the infotext saying, "Yeah, this uh, this is not safe anymore, so they don't use this <laughs> particular chemical for uh, for this effect." So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just like when I see like movies with uh, like mo- more closer to modern day movies, like movies made in the 21st century that depict a lot of smoking. We just watched uh, Good Night and Good Luck, and they're all like fake cigarettes. Mm. But if that was shot in the mid to late 70s, they're real cigarettes on yep. those sets, mm-hmm. you know, full on. So it's, yeah, it's fascinating seeing mm. different filming techniques and <laughs> how it put people in danger. Oh, hilarious. Yeah. I do like the, I, I'm always tickled by the idea of a person of science who goes back in time to be seen as a, a wizard or, you know, mm. like that's... I think it's interesting that everybody thinks that the doctor is a wizard, except for Sarah, because she she understands it. But mm-hmm. uh, but that's because that's the only way that they that's the only frame of reference that they have. Yeah. Um, you know, there it's not that there weren't people doing any kind of science at the time. It's just that they're you know not usually hanging out with the Lord and Lady of you know random castle in the middle of the uh, of the woods here. Mm-hmm. Like it reminded me of um, the novella Elder Race by Adrian Tchaikovsky, which I highly recommend. It's quite good. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is told, there are two point of view characters and the chapters go back and forth. And it starts off as, I think the very first one, it's a fantasy story and it's told from the perspective of this princess who is going to seek for this wizard because he's been, you know, locked, not locked up, but he's been away for a while in his, his, his castle or his cave and they need his help Mm -hmm. for something. And then the perspective shifts for the next chapter and it's from the perspective of the wizard who you discover is not actually a wizard he is a and he's a scientist 
And the planet that they're on was an Earth colony hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands, maybe, of years back and has basically devolved because they lost contact with Earth. And he was sent to be, um, you know, just a, like as a scientist to keep an eye on things and started to interfere a little bit more than he should have. Anyway, so he's been alive for hundreds of years because he keeps going into stasis. So every chapter from her perspective is like, oh, my gosh, there was this giant beast that was, you know, flying. And then, and then right. you find, oh, it's basically a helicopter. So <laughs> it's just... It's it's an incredibly well told story, and it's also a very good story. Yeah. Um. And it just this felt like that to me. You have these characters who see the Doctor and Links as magicians, even though, it, honestly, we from here in the twentieth or twenty first century, we also kind of see the Doctor as a magician. A you know, yep. it's uh, what is it? Clark's third law that uh, any sufficiently advanced science looks like magic to people who don't know mm -hmm. any better so as quoted by the pirate captain in the pirate planet but we'll get to that i guess we will <laughs> that's where i first heard it oh, well he <laughs> took indistinguishable it indistinguishable magic yep. there you go he yep. took it from arthur c clark sure. uh, mm -hmm. or maybe arthur c clark took it from, from douglas adams i didn't mean from douglas adams i meant from the pirate captain i meant from douglas adams because <laughs> there's a gag in the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy about how the sense of back in time and claims that he invented this thing uh, and all that yeah yeah mm -hmm. We'll watch. The, no, we we won't watch. I, I remember I tried to I tried to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the TV series, and we got one episode in, and that was it for you. I mean, I just I didn't absolutely flat out say no more. I just said right. this isn't really very fun. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe someday we'll try it again. Get me drunk first or something. Oh sure, I could do that. I could do that quite easily. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, anyway, yeah, Don't I worry. I like the uh the time in the title, you know. But, People, isn't there a thing about like the episodes that start with time are not good, or is that just time and like time in the running and time? Um, well, I think we're into the 1980. Well, you know what? I mean, I I love all Doctor Who, but you know they say oh the invasion of time that's bad, uh, time flight that's bad, time in the Ronnie mm -hmm. that's bad. Eh. But uh, I, most people don't think the Time Warrior is bad, even though Iron Gron is bad. I and I like Iron Gron too, I so should. I like the Time Warrior, and I like the Key to Time mm. season. And I like the trial of a time lord, mm -hmm. and I don't like the end of time, to be fair. Yeah, that's true. Maybe it's different from modern who. That's true. Mm -hmm. I have to have a have a deep <laughs> dive on this and just uh, sort of because they've used time a lot now in the in the in the modern series in episode titles. So, but I mean, in this case, time is a time and time travel is a factor in the story. That's true. Also, the case for like time flight, yes. But yeah. um, so I I do I, I like it when time is in the title because of the use of time travel. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at you, Time and the Ronnie. What? That makes no sense. Nope. That, uh, although no, she's going back through time gathering geniuses. I guess. I guess. Spoilers for Time and the Ronnie. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, anything more you want uh, to say about the Time Warrior part two and three? Nope, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. No, no. <laughs> uh, I will travel through time back to the beginning of this episode and then make sure that I have said everything that I meant to say. And you already did because you already did. So <laughs> well so that is proof that also the time travel works. All right. Well, uh, we've only got one episode left uh, and apparently the Super Bowl is still going on. Uh, I haven't got the phone alerts to tell me that it's over. So I guess we're going to watch part four tonight. Yeah, sure. Why not? Let's do it. We're going to we're going to match our output of episodes in 2023 in one night in 2024 which is just a, a way of saying that uh, we're 
striving to be less lazy in 2024 with our lazy Doctor Who. Yep, yeah. correct. All right. Well, until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>